and welcome to the weekly summaries of the Good Shepherd Bible Study. I am your host, Miller Ansel, the church planning intern. We are a Bible study and longing to be a church plant of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church here in Southwest Houston. So if you're in Southwest Houston, we meet in Stafford at 3211 South Main Street in a church building called Grace Center. We'd love to have you out. Also, please check out our website at gsbiblestudy.org, as well as like us on Facebook at Southwest Houston Reformed. Week four, this is the study from December 3rd, 2017. We're finishing up uh, the Beatitudes this evening, Matthew 5, verses 8 through 12. I'd like to begin by emphasizing what I've been emphasizing all along, is that these Beatitudes are for Christians. Uh, they are not for special, all-star, exceptional Christians. We can also say, as Christians, we don't get to pick and choose what Beatitudes we'd like. I know I would love to say, hey, I'll mourn my sins, but I really don't want to be persecuted. Or, I'll be pure in heart, but do I really have to be merciful and a peacemaker? But rather, these Beatitudes are for all Christians, and they're something that we should all strive for, because they're something that is already at work in us through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so we see that especially with persecution uh, in this podcast. But the uh, sixth Beatitude we're going to be looking at is in verse 8. It is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. It sounds really exactly what it is. It's a certain integrity, a certain sincerity in the heart. It is that the pure in heart have no idolatrous compromise or accommodation within them. So they're not riding the fence saying, I really like Jesus, but I really like my sin as well, I'm going to think more about this. That's an impure heart. But the pure in heart are wholly dedicated to Christ. It even seems that the background for this very beatitude is from Psalm 24, 4 through 6. There we read, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. And so there we find the psalmist bringing out the pure in heart, that the pure in heart do not swear uh, deceitfully, they do not look to what is false, and they will receive a blessing that is a beatitude from the Lord because they seek his face. And so it is that the pure in heart will see God. We should also say that the pure in heart, one, they are certainly not the nominal Christian, the folk Christian. These are the people that claim Christ but have no evidence of it in their lives. Even more so, it's also not those who have an outward religious showing with a corrupt heart. The Pharisees are a prime example of this, we are told that they are like whitewashed tombs. They look very nice on the outside, but on the inside they are full of dead men's bones. And so we don't want to be uh, in such a manner that we would be impure in heart full of dead men's bones. 
And as Reformed people, I think our greatest folly is to read this as uh, blessed are the pure in doctrine. I'm guilty of this, just like perhaps many of our listeners. Uh, my struggle is, do I want to be right or do I want to serve the Lord? Is it because I love the Lord that I want to keep his commandments or is it just simply I'd love to study doctrine and be pure in mind rather than pure in heart? Of course, that's not to say we have to choose. We ought to be both, but I think we have a tendency to put the mind above the heart. So we must ask ourselves, are we pure in heart uh, before we're pure in mind here, as that's what Jesus is emphasizing in this very beatitude. And so then those who are pure in heart will see God. Uh, God is a spirit, John 4, 24. He doesn't have a physical body that our eyes can gaze upon. Rather, to see him is to contemplate him in all of his majesty without sin. So that is what it means to see God. Our next to last beatitude, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The peacemakers, uh, there, there are three things we want to emphasize here with the peacemakers. First is peace with God. We know that we are sinners, that we are poor in spirit, that we mourn our sins, that we are meek, that we have nothing to offer God, that we are distraught over our sinfulness. And thus, God has made peace with us. Colossians 1.20 makes this very clear. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So there is no peace in the world or with God because of our sin, but the Father has seen fit to make peace through the blood of the Son. Uh, the countercultures that we've talked about before uh, tried to establish peace through their own means. But we know that true peace is only found through the blood of Christ and through his actions. Secondly, we have peace within the church. As Christians, uh, we are children of God. God is a God of peace. Therefore, we ought to look like our Father. Again, from Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. So Paul, again, emphasizing that peace is to rule in our hearts within the church. If you look around at your church Sunday morning, likely there are people there that, apart from your union with Christ, you would not want to hang out with. They wouldn't be your friends. You have great personality differences. But yet, that is your brother. That is your sister in Christ. You have been united together, and therefore, you have peace with them. John Owen illustrates this very well uh, by saying that a man goes to gather sticks and he gathers short stumpy sticks and he gathers uh, long skinny sticks and he gathers some sticks that are jagged and going every which way but the man gathering them binds them all with one cord and he takes them back and so it is that Christ is our cord that binds all of us although we're very different he binds us together and we need to live in peace with one another so I'd ask you, listener, as much as I ask myself, because I find these very convicting, these Beatitudes very convicting, uh, have you faithfully sought the peace of the church? Thirdly, peacemaking deals with peace with our neighbor. 
not just the idea that we can stop wars if we can, but really bringing our neighbor into a peace with God. That is ultimately what we need to do. And so there is a duty of evangelism really implicit within this beatitude, that as peacemakers, we are seeking peace between our neighbor and the Lord. And so we ought to evangelize them and remind them of the gospel. We don't want to be like those people in Ezekiel or Jeremiah uh, 6.14 that say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Uh, we can't pretend that things are cool and things are good with everybody around us when they are truly not. And so peacemakers, peacemakers have peace with God and peace within the church and peace with our neighbor. And as Romans 12 reminds us that we seek peace as far as lies within our power. Our last beatitude here in verses 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So persecution uh, seems like a strange characteristic upon the heels of peacemaking. Uh, somebody who seeks peace is being persecuted. Sounds very odd, except we have to remember that the ones seeking peace and practicing all the Beatitudes are Christians. And when we act as the Beatitudes tell us to act, the non-Christian, the anti-Christian counterculture is annoyed because their conscience has the law of God written on it and they hate it. They hate to be reminded of what they ought to be. They love their sin too much. They want to suppress it. And so us, as Christians, when we act as peacemakers, when we act pure in heart, we only remind them of the God that they choose to deny. And therefore, they persecute us. 2 Timothy 3.12 reminds us we're going to be persecuted. Paul wrote, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? Living a godly life means following the Beatitudes. Jesus tells us in John 15, 18, the world hates us, but remember that it hated him first. And of course, we can go on and on with examples uh, throughout history of Christians that have been persecuted. It starts right away in Genesis with Abel. Abel persecuted by Cain. Daniel persecuted by the king of Babylon. King, well, not King David quite yet, but David persecuted by King Saul. Uh, so on and so forth. Now, all those examples are very physical. They're seeking to kill Christians, to murder them. At least uh, here in Southwest Houston, that's not so much our issue. Uh, but the tongue is a much more common form of persecution. Uh, we had a great point brought out in our study on the third, uh, that it's very subtle. The persecution uh, at least can be very subtle. Uh, change of language right? Uh, don't call Caitlyn Jenner a he. Um, the feminist movement, the abortion, uh, the pro-choice movement, all these things can be very subtle as to how we talk. And uh, if we don't talk right, the persecution is there. However, the persecution was already there and quite subtly as well. Uh, so how do we respond, or, or why do we respond, or what's going on? Well, the persecution first is not uh, because we're objectionable. 
right? It's not blessed are those who are persecuted because they're difficult or because they are foolish. We hear stories often a preacher will go to uh, private property, begin preaching against homosexuality. He's asked to leave, refuses to leave. Uh, the police are called. The police ask him to leave. He refuses to leave, so he's arrested. But the headline reads, Pastor Arrested for Preaching Against Homosexuality, when in reality is uh, he was trespassing and loitering and was not welcome there. That is not the kind of blessing or the kind of persecution that Jesus is talking about. He makes it very clear when you are persecuted for righteousness, when you are persecuted on my account, that is is the importance of the persecution. Just because we're persecuted, we don't get to yell, I'm righteous. Rather, it's because we are righteous that we are persecuted. And how do we act when we're persecuted? Well, we are to rejoice and be glad, very much against our natural inclination or our fleshly inclination. Uh, we want to seek retaliation, right? I want to get back at you for persecuting me. But instead, Jesus tells us to be glad. And why? Is it because we are persecuted in and of itself? Well, of course not. We're to rejoice and be glad because somebody has seen Christ in us. We rejoice because that persecution is proof of where we are going. Jesus says your reward is great in the kingdom of heaven. So we rejoice because somebody has seen that we are acting like Christ and we know that we will go to be in the kingdom with our Lord. Well, lastly here, let's address the issue of reward. Uh, this can kind of make some of us Protestants very squirmy, that our reward is great in heaven. Oh no, that sounds like a, uh, like a Roman uh, Catholic belief that we'll be rewarded for our good works. But rather, this isn't a meriting of heaven. We are not being rewarded with heaven because we did good apart from Christ. Instead, we are being rewarded for what good works we have done through the Spirit. For time's sake, I would encourage you to go read 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Go read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 10. We see that reward is a very big part uh, of Paul's writings and of our eventual entrance into the kingdom of heaven. But again, to remind us, our reward is not based upon our merit. It is a free reward given to us through the Holy Spirit. So uh, this concludes our, our study on the Beatitudes. I just remind you, this, this is the very character that Christ praises. The world despises it, but Christ praises it. So press on, read the Beatitudes. Know that these are not uh, for exceptional Christians. This is for you as the Christian to practice. So continue being convicted by this and practicing and being sanctified by the Beatitudes.